I recall a certain pre-pandemic evening some years ago when I was arriving at home late one night after a church meeting here at St. Andrew and some work in the office afterwards. And when I approached our driveway, I saw four deer standing there actually on the driveway and they were just staring at me. And so I sat there and I stared at them. And then after a while, I blinked my lights, uh, which got absolutely no reaction whatsoever. And then finally, not wanting to honk the horn because of the late hour, I hit the button for the garage door opener and sent them walking rather nonchalantly back into the woods behind our house. Well, that's not very unusual around here, but the next day when I was describing this to my neighbor, he said, oh yeah, they come through here all the time because our neighborhood borders the Middle Patuxent River and what they're really doing is looking for water. And as soon as he said that, I thought of Psalm 42, which I'm thinking about again today as our series on uh, return and receive continues with today's theme, which is refresh, which is based on Psalm 42, which begins with the words, as the deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God, which I think you'll agree is a very beautiful image that has been captured in some artwork and, and been set to some wonderful music. And yet as beautiful as it is, if you read along Psalm 42, you can't help but see that the writer of these words is in big trouble and that they come from a place of great despair, isolation, deep depression that could be caused by any number of things, including the circumstances of a year-long pandemic that isn't even quite over yet. The imagery in Psalm 42 is as painful as it is poetic. And it includes words like my soul is downcast within me and my tears have been my food day and night. Well, that's a very painful picture. And uh, you may know somebody who can relate to that because they were so far down that they, they couldn't get out of bed or they cried so much that they literally tasted their tears. Or maybe you know what that's like personally. Because when you're talking about your tears being your food day and night, you're talking about the depth of despair and depression and isolation. Well, we don't fully know what brought the writer of Psalm 42 down quite that far, but we do have a few clues, some of which are right there in the psalm itself. Like when he says that my soul is cast down far from Jordan, in, in the land of Hermon, at Mount Mazar, which is an indication that, that this person is some sort of an exile. He is a captive. He's a refugee being forced to live in a place that was far from his home, his native land, the people to whom he was closest by virtue of the fact of their locations far away from the holy city of Jerusalem. Another clue is his multiple references to his enemies and his adversaries and, and the way they mock him and taunt him and ask him questions like, you know, where is your God now? Which is always a sarcastic question on the part of our religious or spiritual detractors. And a third clue comes in verse 4 where he talks about how he misses his worship at the temple in Jerusalem, where he obviously had some sort of a special role as he, he talks about leading this 
throng of people in a great procession into the house of God, singing glad songs of thanksgiving on one of their wonderful festival days. And then, and then just two verses earlier, he asks the question, when will I see the face of God again? Which back then was actually a technical term, meaning when will I worship at the temple in Jerusalem again, in person, not just online, which is to say that Psalm 42 can still speak to you and me today when we feel isolated, maybe by the virus, maybe by something else. And, and we also just long to be together with that throng of fellow believers and, and to celebrate together in these great processions that we've had into the house of God, lifting up glad songs. I know I long for that, and I know many of you do too. As the deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. But the question is, what then do you do about that? And how do you experience refreshment in times like that and in times like this as well? Well, fortunately for us, uh, and fortunately for the writer of Psalm 42, there are also answers that are located right there in that very psalm. In those very words that give us some clues about things that he actually does do to experience refreshment. And I want to offer up to you for those times when your soul is downcast by your circumstances, whatever they may be. But first, I want to uh, make a point that I think I shared with you uh, back when our mental health ministry here at St. Andrew sponsored a, a special mental health awareness Sunday. Namely, that when you read about feelings like the writer of Psalm 42 had, or you've had feelings like that yourself, or, or seen them in somebody close to you, you should not automatically assume that you or that person are just somehow lacking in your faith. On the contrary, if you read this psalm, it is crystal clear that this person has faith, even though he also has these very natural feelings, these human emotions that are just there and, and he can't control them. You can't just turn them off like a you know, flip of a switch. And yet, in the midst of the darkest moments and the deepest despair that he is experiencing, it's very clear that God is still God that his relationship with God is still there and it's, it's still very much alive. And it's not that he doesn't question God or he doesn't struggle in his relationship with God. He, he does that precisely in verse nine of the Psalm where in the very same verse, he calls God his rock on one hand. And then on the other hand, he says, you know, why have you forgotten me? Which is a euphemism for being ignored or, or disregarded because that's how he feels, even if it's not true. But the point is that even as he struggles with God, he's still believing in God. And that makes it possible for him and for you and me to do the things the writer of Psalm 42 does to seek and experience spiritual refreshment like a deer that finds its way to the living water. And the first thing that he does 
in verse 4 as he says, I pour out my soul. In other words, he comes to terms with his feelings and with his experience. He puts words on his emotions. He prays to God. He talks it out. Because if you don't pour out your soul, it's pretty hard to experience spiritual refreshment. As the deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My tears are are my food day and night. I mean, this is how he feels. And in fact, one translation says that the deer pants for water, which is an even more graphic image because if you're thirsty, that's one thing. But if you're panting, I mean, you're really desperate. You're, You're really on the edge. And so not two weeks ago, I had a long conversation one evening with a person who was going through a profoundly difficult time in their life. But I was encouraged when they described what it was like for them to literally get on their knees and talk to God in prayer, to pour out their soul to God and to feel the weight of that burden starting to lift from their shoulders as they put it all at the cross of Jesus. And by the way, pouring out your soul to God can also involve pouring out your soul to one of God's people who may be there to receive whatever it is that you have to share graciously, whether that's a family member or it's a trusted friend or it's a colleague or a pastor or a therapist or a a counselor. The second thing that he does is that he talks to himself which may sound a little unusual and strange to you, but he does. He speaks to himself because if you look at Psalm 42 and you go through it verse by verse, you'll see sometimes he's talking to God, sometimes he's talking to the reader, sometimes he's even talking to himself and saying, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? And in that soliloquy, in that rhetorical question, which I love because the guy's just all over the map. In the midst of it, he's reminding himself to remember what he knows about God, what he's been taught about God and about God's power in our lives and the difference that it makes, not just in our circumstances, but in the way we react to our circumstances, the way we respond, the way we handle them. And those are very different things. You know, in today's language, he might say to himself, you know, look, man, you got this because God's got it. And I'm his child and he's with me No matter what's going on in my life, even when I'm trapped and stuck in Mount Mazar or whatever that represents for you in your life. And the third thing that he does is that he renews his hope. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. And again, I will praise him. Or some translations say, and yet I will praise him even in circumstances like this, because he is my help and he is my God. And even though that sounds very counterintuitive as a thing to do when you are downcast, I have to tell you that I've seen it work in beautiful ways at bedsides and at gravesides and after bad breakups and all kinds of other losses that we experience in life.
And so like a lot of parents, I can still hear the voices of our three children when they were little. And they would come up to me and say, I'm thirsty. And I would say to them, hello, thirsty. But what I knew they really wanted was refreshment. And I knew that my job as their father was to get them the refreshment that they were longing for. And in just that way, our job, our calling as the daughters and sons of God, as the sisters and brothers of Jesus, is not to lay on the horn so that a thirsty world can just get out of our way. It's to lead them to provide for their spiritual refreshment in a way that can change their lives forever, no matter what their circumstances may happen to be. And so as you think about what it means to return to the Lord during the season of Lent and to receive his blessing and, and about what it really means to be refreshed spiritually in the midst of your circumstances, I would just encourage you, uh, number one, to pour out your soul and take some prayer time to put words onto your feelings and lay them before God's throne of grace or, or talk it out with one of God's people to whom you can go and who will receive your outpouring graciously. Number two, talk to yourself and just remind yourself, you know, what you know, what you've been taught about the grace of God and its power in your life. Or as St. John said in, in one of his letters, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And then number three, renew your hope. And close your eyes and think about, you know, wonderful moments of blessing that give you strength even in this present moment, like throngs of people gathering together again in person at the temple to lift up glad songs of thanksgiving uh, to God, which will happen as we envision that day here at this temple and someday in our heavenly home. And then I also invite and encourage you to just keep your eyes on the cross. Keep looking at the cross of the one who came into this world to share all of our humanity who sat down next to a woman who didn't even know who he was really. And he offered her not just water from a Samaritan well, but the living water of his grace that would change her life forever. This is the one who went from village to village and he said to people who weren't even sure if they could ever be right with God, that whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the one who says to you, and to me today, in the revelation to John, I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'll always be with you and I will give to the one who is thirsty from the spring of the water of life without cost. And so to you I say, hello thirsty. May God bless you and the people who wander through your neighborhood and your life to give you spiritual refreshment to restore and quench your spiritual thirst, which he does in the grace of God by the Lamb of God. Amen.